just want to say something. I, I've been praying for many of you all week long. I was in Florida, but my heart was so knitted with so many people. I can't call you all out by name. But just know that I love you. Ashley loves you so much. We care about you so much. We believe God's best for your life. And sometimes, you know, as we're growing, you might say, well, you know, Pastor Malik, is he overlooking us? He doesn't see us. You know, God has given me a great capacity to love. I believe that. And I want that capacity. I want to love more. So just as we're growing, and sometimes it might seem as though I might be untouchable or whatever because I'm doing, I'm running, you know, I got people that got me going one way and another way. Just know that I'm not overlooking you and that let, let, all of our pastors, can you raise up your hands? If you're a pastor here, you know, they are here as well for you. So make sure you look for them. If you really have a, something in your marriage, something, they're prophetic, they hear from God, they have strong marriages, they have strong witness of the Lord, they're, they are. They have our DNA, they love relentless, and they're going to lead you the right way as well. So just pastors, can you guys lift up your hands again just so they know like so look around you there's pastors even behind some of you just look and see where they're at because we want you to be able to pull on them and know that we all have time for you if we do this together we'll all have time for you okay so uh we love you okay so saying all that um amen second samuel chapter 9 verse 1 through 12 i'm going to read the whole thing so bear with me now there was a servant of saul's household named ziba They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. And the king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? So we know the story a little bit that uh, Saul was a crazy king. He was the king of Israel, but him and and David had a lot of uh, beef, right? And so David was always honorable. Even David had chances to kill Saul, but he didn't because he honored that this is the man that God put in place. And so it happened where in the beginning of 2 Samuel, actually Saul is killed in war, or I think he kills himself. And so here goes, Zebra answered the king, and, and Jonathan too. So Zebra answered the king and said, there is still a son of Jonathan. Jonathan is Saul's son who David has a covenant with, who de- uh, they made a covenant together. And then Ziba says, he is lame in both feet. Where is he, the king asks. And Ziba answered, he is at the house of Makir, son of Emil. Oh, look at I've been doing my study, y'all, in Lodabar. So, Dave, so King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makir, son of Emil, when Meshibosheth, I'm going to say that eight different ways by the time this is all over, Son of Jonathan, the the son of Saul, came to David. He bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Meshibosheth, at your service. Y'all, we're going to have to give him a nickname. Mebo, a son. We're going to call him Mebo, okay? At your service, he replied, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. And Mebo bowed down and said... I'm, I'm serious, y'all. What is your servant? Listen, I got nicknames. Uh, Ashley has a nickname, Ashnika. You can call it. That's a ghetto name. Uh, what is your servant that, um, uh, you know, uh, we were looking for one for you, Matt, and we found one. I forgot. What did we say? Huh? Not Kim Sung. That, that's he's eight. You can't call him Kim Sung. He is Asian. That's not a nickname. Huh? Oh, man. M Boogie. M Boogie or something like that. Okay, anyway. 
Oh, yo, give somebody a nickname next to you. Okay, I'm supposed to be preaching. Stop, guys. I know you want to sit down. Okay, so Mebo bowed down. What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons, and talking to Ziba, and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mebo, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. So he, he was a servant, but he was, he was one of them bling bling servants. And then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord king commands his servant to do. So Meshibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's son. And Meshibosheth had a son, a young son named Micah, and, uh, Mika or something like that, Tamika, whatever. And all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Meshibosheth. And Meshibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Come on, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for your word today. I pray that it would speak to us, God. That you would show us something sweet, something beautiful in these scriptures, Lord. That we can apply to our own personal lives this week and really for eternity. So we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody look at somebody and say, Meshibosheth. <laughs> or give somebody a nickname, Mebo. M Boogie. I like that, though. And what, what did we give for um, Cindy? Did we give Cindy one? What's, what is it? Centoya. What? <laughs> and then Darius is just D, right? What up, D? What about Kevin? We got to give Kev, Kev, right? I it's already Kev. You can only go so. F- oh, Sensei. <laughs> Master Splinter. Okay. <laughs> um, so I love this story. This is actually one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I actually have never, actually, I don't think I've ever preached this uh, at Relentless. I don't think I've ever really preached this before. Um, I believe it's the story of my life because it's because of the kindness of God. That has brought me to the table, and I'm, I'm probably going to be a mess through this whole message. Because I felt like the Lord said today to talk about his kindness. Because he is a kind God. And, you know, I know we talk about the apostolic and the prophetic, and it seems very, like, dictative and very, like, stern and bold. And there is a boldness to it. But how many know that it's the lamb that's on the throne? The lion's not on the throne. The lamb is on the throne. He, he rules with his kindness. He rules with love. And so I just want to just say that, you know, this message means a lot to me because I have seen the kindness of God in my life. I've seen the goodness of God. Look at somebody say, have you seen the goodness of God in your life? I've seen it over and over in my life. And so I actually I was at Christian International and I wasn't expecting to speak there. I went to a conference, great speakers, Chuck Pierce and all different people were there. And then Apostle Jane, uh, Mama Jane, who's they just been pouring into me and my wife, um, they were like, we just want you to, we want you to, to speak. And I was able to share actually my testimony. I felt led to just to share what God has been doing in my life. And it was just so powerful to see people weeping because of the kindness of God in my life. And how many know the kindness of God in your life will break off change in other people's lives? Okay, this is good. Okay, so the kindness of God, let me just explain a little bit of what it is. Obviously, the kindness of God is kind of It's a hard thing to explain sometimes because it has a lot of things in it, like grace, uh, like mercy. Uh, One of the root words is goodness. 
um, a sweetness is another word. So I'm going to be saying a lot of words like mercy and grace, but just remember that I'm, I'm still linking it to kindness. Somebody say kindness. So kindness, one thing that we need to know about kindness, the kindness of God, is that it's abundant. He never runs out. He doesn't have just kind. You know, because sometimes people can be kind to one person but not to another person. But God's kindness is not like that. God's kindness is abundant. It's plenteous in his kindness, in his goodness. Numbers 14, verse 18 says, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Another word, kindness, you'll hear me interchanging with is also unfailing love or the unrelenting love or anything that I connect with love. You can just connect it to kindness as well. Forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Look at Nehemiah 9, 17. They refused to obey and did not remember the miracles. Have you ever been there? God did something for your life and you refused to obey and you did not remember the miracles uh, that God did for you. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness. That's another part of kindness. You are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry. And rich in unfailing love, you did not abandon them. So God's kindness is abounding, and he's not going to abandon you. He's not going to let you go. And many and God, this is a, I'm telling you, I thank God I had daughters first. I think that God gave me my Shael and Sinai to work the kindness of God into my life. And Nehemiah says this, or I, I said that one. Psalms 103, verse 8, NIV version says, the Lord is compassionate. And gracious. I want you to write these scriptures down and start to digest them this week because they're so good. Somebody said, mm, mm, good. That the Lord is compassionate and gracious. You, 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 gotta take, you need to be a little bit nicer to you. Some of you need to be a little nicer to yourself because the Lord is gracious. You know, we might have had family or even spouses or situations in our life where maybe we didn't receive that kind of kindness. But I want to tell you today that God is slow to anger. He is slow to wrath. He desires that no one would perish, but that everyone come to everlasting life. And he wanted me to preach this message today so you can hear it. The Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. So we see that God's kindness is abundant, it's plenteous, but it's also great in extent. Look at this, Psalms 145, verse 8. The Passion Translation says, You're kind and tenderhearted. Oh, don't you love that? Like God is able, the Bible says he's he's able to be touched. He's not untouchable. God is able to be touched. You're kind and tenderhearted to those who don't deserve it. And very patient with people who fail you. Have you ever been failed before? Has someone ever let you down before? But were you still kind and were you still tenderhearted? That's the father. That's the way he is. That's the way I want to be. I want to be kind. I want to be tenderhearted. This, this broke me. I said, you know, sometimes in a hustle and bustle of D.C., and you have to be clear, you have to be strategic, you have to be, you know, uh, direct. You, have, you know, we have a whole thing of operations going on in, in our church. I never want to lose the sweetness of kindness. I never want to lose that, that presence that comes of just being kind. And it says, you're kind and tenderhearted to those who don't deserve it and very patient with people who fail you. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. Come on, just drink it in. This is a message you got to drink in. I might not get a whole lot of amens and, you know, smack your neighbor and all that stuff, but that'll be next week. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 8 through 9. 
Hope you like the word of the Lord. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. I was remembering when I, when I went to prison and I had the opportunity to say something before the judge that would have probably released me because it was my first offense. And I remember, uh, as I was sharing the testimony in Florida, that I, you know, I was having many encounters with God at the moment, and I felt the hand of the Lord go over my mouth right when that judge asked me. My mom told me, you know, because she had went before that judge previously and years before, that, you know, he would let you go if you just told him your story, that you just met your family, et cetera, et cetera. And I felt the hand of the Lord go over my mouth. And I heard, that's the first time I really, well, I heard God a couple times, but that's one of the first clear times that I heard the Lord. And he said, Malik, I'm rescuing you. You're not, you're not, you're not, um, you're not being put in prison as, as a criminal. I'm rescuing you. And so God, with his strong hand, will rescue you from slavery and from the oppressive hand of the Pharaoh. Understand, therefore, that the Lord, your God, is indeed God. Somebody say he's indeed God. And he is the faithful God who keeps his covenant, his promises for a thousand generations. So the same kindness that you're going to receive and that you're receiving, I'm telling you, your children are going to receive it. Your children's children are going to receive it. Your children's children's children are going to receive it. Your children's children's children. Children's are going to receive it. Your children's 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 children's. Your great, 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 great grandkids are going to receive it. Somebody say praise the Lord. For a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. The other thing about God's kindness is that it's everlasting. So we see that it's abounding. We see that God's, uh, that God's um, um, kindness is great in its extent. It reaches, it's overflowing like the river, but it also reaches even past your generation. It reaches past where you are right now. And then it's everlasting. Jeremiah thirty three eleven says, this is what the Lord says. You have said, this is a desolate land. How many have said that before? This is a desolate land where people and animals have all disappeared. Yet in the empty streets of Jerusalem and Ju- Judah and other towns, there will be heard, uh, there will be heard once more the sounds of joy and laughter the joyful voices of the bridegrooms and brides will be heard again this is the year of marriage by the way so if you think about getting married go ahead anyway um shaba all right and babies all right glory go ahead and get pregnant all right gotta take care of you i'm just trying to wait on the lord he told you to get married let's go all right They will sing, give thanks to the Lord of heaven armies, for the Lord is good. His faithful love does what? Endures forever. His kindness is forever. His kindness is everlasting. It's not like you're going to get to heaven. He's going to be like, okay, let's get to work. It's going to be like, let's get to heaven and experience the fullness. What you couldn't receive on earth because you were comparing me to your your earthly uh, fathers and mothers and teachers and mentors. Now I've experienced the fullness. This is an everlasting kindness that you're going to receive. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. For I will restore the prosperity of this land to what it was in the past, says the Lord. So God's kindness and his unfailing and his faithful love that endures forever is going to cause there to be pastures where others are going to be able to feast in. The kindness of God that is going to be displayed in your life are people in Woodbridge and in Alexandria and in D or wherever you live, Upper Marlboro, wherever you live at, they're going to be able to feast on the goodness and the faithfulness of God in your life. Okay, two people. Thank you, Jesus. God has extended his kindness towards us. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 9 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead. Somebody say, even when I was dead. Even when I was dead in my transgression, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ Jesus, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the uncomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So when God raises you up, he's expressing his kindness. When God heals, when God delivers, when God sets free, when you're able to go through the storm and people say they can't even believe that you even went through anything because you look so beautiful, you smell so good. You're expressing the kindness of God into the earth. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it's not from yourself. It is the gift of God. Can I tell you, I believe that God's kindness is his gift towards us. And we can see this in the life of Mebo, Meshibosheth. David was looking to extend kindness, which was based on the covenant. And I love David as a picture of the father. And he's saying, who can I show this kindness to? I'm looking for someone to extend my kindness. I believe God is always looking for someone that he can extend his kindness to. Meshibosheth lived 15 years without knowing that there was kindness and grace that was available for him. And my question to you is, how long have you lived without knowing that this good kindness, this unrelenting kindness is running after you even right now? And all he's saying, just open up and receive my kindness. Open up and receive my goodness. (laughs) Woo. You know, even in this atmosphere, I just feel like the Lord is just breaking down walls, breaking down things in our own heart. That stop us from receiving the goodness and the kindness of God. The word is a hammer. So mercy. So when we're talking about the kindness of God, we're also talking about mercy. And mercy is compassion or forgiveness that's shown towards someone who is within our power to punish. The Bible says in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, through the Lord uh, mercies, we are not consumed. Because, of his, because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did last week. His mercies are new right now. Because he has the ability to extend his kindness towards you so that you are not consumed. That doesn't mean that you need to go back. You know, I tell people all the time, we live like God, like nobody saw us, but we don't live forgiven. Living a forgiving life is different than living like you didn't get caught. Okay, I'm going to keep on moving. And this was Meshibosheth's story. Kindness brought him into connection with the Father. Kindness brought him into connection with the covenant of God. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3 to 4, I love this. And I'm like, oh man, you just got to read the story. Read the story. I think it's, this, it's in this uh, this version, and then also it's in chapter, I think, ver- chapter 19. It's a full story about the life of Meshibosheth. And 2 Samuel 9, 3-4 says, The king then asked him, is there, talking about to his servant again, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? How many know, if, you know, when we talk, you know, I, I see a lot of posts, and a lot of posts always say stuff like, man, you just need to get rid of people, and you need to let people go, and, you know, if they ain't with you, you need to just drop them. You know, how many know that's not always God's heart? 
Now, we need to set boundaries in our life. There are certain people that are just toxic, that they just bring things into our life. And we need to, we need to protect ourselves and also set boundaries for them as well so they don't destruct themselves. And we're not going to be a part of their mess. How many know what I'm talking about? But that's not always the case. Some things you can handle at the table. I was going to name this at the table, but that might be another message. There are some things that I'm learning. We lived in Germany. That was one of the favorite places that we used to sit at at the table. So many, even now, we're seeing in our life, so many things can happen at the table. But we have to be willing to bring people to the table to sit and to talk. Okay. Yeah, you like talking to me. Thank you, Siri. You heard Siri? She said she liked talking to me. That was prophetic. Second Samuel said, the king said, is anyone still alive? So here is David. He's looking even in the, in, even in the enemy's camp, even in where uh, the, the, he knew that they were against him. He is still looking to show kindness toward. This, is, this was the kind of man. David was a man after God's own heart. Oh, man, I want to be a man after God's own heart. We drop people too easy. We get rid of people. We jump in and out of friendships too easy. We need to fight for our friends. We need to fight for our family. We need to fight for connection. It's worth it in the end. If so, I want to show kindness, God's kindness to them. And Zeba replied. Now listen to what he said. And you'll learn about Zeba. He's like a little crook on the side. But Zeba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's son is still alive, but he's crippled in both feet. Isn't that just like the devil to always bring up your shortcomings? To bring up your failures, to say, yeah, but isn't he the accuser of the brethren? Isn't it the one that came before God night and day, bringing accusations against the people of God? And this is what the enemy is doing in your life. God is looking to show you kindness, but the enemy is telling you that you can't receive it because of what you've done. The enemy is telling you can't receive it because you're not educated enough. The enemy is telling you can't receive it because of your skin color. I don't know what the enemy is lying to you, but today we need to get them zebra spirits out of our life so that we can receive the kindness of God. Yes, I did say zebra spirit. <laughs> and the Bible says, where is he? So God is, God is not concerned with your frailties. He knows them. But he's God. How many know he can make up the difference? Amen. God can make up the difference no matter how broken you are. No matter how fractured your heart has been. No matter how wounded you have been. You know, I hear people telling me, I'm just so wounded. Well, God is extending kindness to heal you. Just receive it. you got to receive the kindness of God, the goodness of God. And yes, one of the Jonathan's son is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. And then David said, where is he? God is looking for you. And the king said, enload the bar. Uh, the, the servant said to the king, enload the bar. Load the bar means no word, no pasture, no communication. And that's where the enemy wants us. He wants us in a place where there's no word. He wants us in a place where there's no pasture. There's nothing for us to feast on. And he wants us in a place where there's no communication. He wants to cut us off of connection with the Father. But God is looking for you. Maybe this week, maybe this last couple of weeks, even though we've been having glorious service and things have been going on, maybe you felt like there was a disconnection. I want to tell you, God is looking for you. Wasn't God walking in the garden in Genesis? Where are you, Adam? God is looking for you. God is looking for you. 
Galatians 6.10 says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. This is where the word is. This is where the pastures. It's so funny to me how the, when the enemy starts fighting people, the first thing they want to do is leave church. The first thing the enemy tries to do is cut off your communication with your leaders, with your friends. The first thing he wants to do is attack your mind and think that people are thinking about you. Ain't nobody got time for that. And you mad because what you think somebody think about you. Okay, I must keep going. This is the place that I believe God is bringing us into. And I'm just going to give a small plug. I didn't want to do this, but I'm going to give a small plug. Small groups is a great way to get in connection, get in communication, get into a place, get into a place where you can get loved on. And you can be bring heart to heart connection and, and find the love of God, find the kindness of God. Kindness. Somebody say kindness is supernatural. Come on, say kindness is supernatural. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the spirit. Not the fruit of you, your soul, but it's the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Somebody told me the other day, I just don't have the gift of kindness. It's not a gift. It's a fruit. Just yield and you'll bear it. You got to be willing to bear most of the time control, anger, all these things will work against. That's the work of the flesh will work against the kindness of God operating in your life. And so you have to ask the Lord, Lord, uh, prune me, cut those things that are not bearing fruit so that I can bear forth the fruit of kindness. And oh, oh well, I just oblivious on the way I am. No, oblivion sometimes can be a fruit. You need to cut that fruit out of your life, too. No, you need to see what God is saying. Now, listen, I can't make everybody happy. Sometimes people are mad at me. I don't even know why they're mad at me. Just like three weeks later, I find out they don't like me. Oh, thank you, sister. I got to keep going, but don't get your kids yet. We still got a little bit of time. Your kids, you don't have to get your kids to about 12 o'clock because they don't have to be out to 1230, okay? I want you guys to get this. Don't miss this. I'm almost done. Galatians 2.4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, somebody say tolerant, tolerant, patient, somebody say patient, God is with you. It's so funny to me how we have no patience for other people, but we want God to be tolerant and patient with us. God has been so tolerant, so patient, so kind. I mean, he could have, I mean, I, yeah. But the moment someone does something to you, you're ready to throw him in prison. That is not the heart of the father, can I tell you? So we need to drink from him. We need to behold him so we can be more like him. We need to look in the glorious uh, mirror of the law of liberty and see that we've been set free. See that he had paid a price for us. See how much he loves us, the graciousness. And then we'll be able to extend graciousness and kindness to others around us. Because God has been patient with you. Be patient. Be patient. Don't be in such a hurry. When you get impatient, you only start to worry. Remember, remember that God is patient too. And think of all the times people have to wait for you. So I think to my kids. Remember that, baby? Don't you see how wonderfully kind? You got to see this. You have to look for kindness. See how wonderfully kind, tolerant, patient God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from sin? When we see, we can love our brothers. We can love our neighbors. 
We can think the best of people instead of the worst of them. Somebody don't look at you. Somebody don't say something to you. Somebody says something in a tone that you don't understand. And then all of a sudden we angry. No, that's not the will of God. We need to be patient with each other. Somebody say patience. Now listen to this story. Kindness is powerful. In her memoir about the journey from being a committed alternative lifestyle, you guys know what I'm talking about, to a committed Christian, Rosaria Butterfield says this. As a non-Christian, when she was a non-Christian, her impression of evangelical Christians was that they were poor thinkers, judgmental, scornful, and afraid of diversity. After publishing a critique of an evangel- uh, evangelical Christian group in her local newspaper, she received an enormous volume of polarized responses. Placing an empty box in each corner of her desk, she sorted, she sorted the hate mail into one and the fan mail into another. Then re- she received a two-page response from a local pastor. It was a kind and inquiring letter, she says. It had a warmth and a civility to it. In addition to his probing questions, she couldn't figure out which box to put this letter in. So it sat on her desk for seven days. It was the kindest letter of opposition that I had ever received. Its tone demonstrated that the writer wasn't against her. Eventually, she contacted the pastor and became friends with him and his wife. Now, listen to this. This is so important. They talk with me in a way that didn't make me feel erased. They talk with me in a way that didn't make me feel erased. Let that sink in. Its tone demonstrated the love of God. And they said their friendship was an important part of her journey to faith. Can I always say that? This is the kind of kindness that God is talking about. We have so many different, so much, look around, so much diversity here. So many people that are on different roads in the, in the word of God. But we can't look down at people. We can't speak to people like they don't have common sense. We can't overlook people and erase them because they don't have. I'm so tired of Facebook posts that all it does is just put you in a category. Uh, you know, that, that's the word when it says the accuser of the brethren. That word accuser comes from the word category. And that is, the, that is what the enemy tries to do in our life. He tries to put us in categories. And if he, if he can put us in categories, he can cause us to be divided. Well, I'm this person's friend, but not this person's friend. I'm this, but I'm not that. I'm, can I just say this? We are family at Relentless. And don't be coming talking to me like you ain't family and friends with somebody. Because I'm going to get on you in love. I'm almost done. Kindness is not always pleasant. Actually, it can make you feel uncomfortable. When someone's really kind to you, sometimes, like, oh, like, Connie's, like, really kind to me sometimes. It can be a little uncomfortable. Like, she gets all up in my face. Hi, Malik. I just love you. I'm like, this is weird. But I like it more. Come on. Psalms 141.5 says this, let the godly strike me, it will be a kindness. If they correct me, it is a soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it, but I will pray constantly against the wicked and their deeds. So sometimes it is the strike that we need. Sometimes it is the slap 
friends. Come on, somebody. Sometimes it is the slap of a friend that we need to bring us into reality. Sometimes it is the stroke or the strike of a friend, of a righteous person that we need. Listen, let me say something. A kind physician will dig deep to cut the cancer out. We need some friends that are like physicians in our life. We need leaders that are like physicians in our life. We need, we need moms and dads in the church that are willing to cut deep, that are willing to go deep because they can see the cancer that is trying to consume you. Do you have friends in your life that can cut you and you not run away? Do you have leaders in your life that can rebuke you and you not get offended? Now, listen, there's a caveat here at the end when he says, like, I pray constantly against the wicked. It actually, in another translation, it says, and if they're wrong, I'm going to still pray for them. Because we're not perfect. Leaders are not perfect. Your friends are not perfect. I'm still going to pray. If they're not right, I'm still going to pray for them. But the truth of the matter is, kindness sometimes will cut you to get down to the cancer, to get down to the toxic place and draw it out. So that you can be healed and that you could be set free. It's not always easy to have the hard talks. Am I right? In people who are in friendships. I had a talk with one of my friends the other day. It wasn't easy to have a talk with them. God is moving us beyond the shallow into the deep. So what is your crucible of kindness? Is it traffic that makes you go berserk? Is it your kids that Called you to go crazy? Is someone, one of your friends who keeps saying something about you or about your life? Is it something, it's a remark that people make? What is your crucible of kindness? What is the place that tries to cut the kindness out of your life? I want you to identify that place and ask the Lord to pour his spirit more and more on your life so that you can bear forth the fruit of kindness. Proverbs 21, 21 says in the voice translation, Whoever pursues justice and treats others with kindness discovers true life marked by integrity and respect. Why don't we just stand on our feet? Justin, can you come play the keys? And we're going to go ahead and receive communion as well. And Meshivashif lived in Jerusalem because he, was, he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. I want to say this to you. And parents, you can go pick up your kids if you like. Because we're like them to take communion. I totally forgot about that. Don't let your failure stop you from sitting at the table. Meshivasheth sat at the table. There's, a, there's another part of the story where maybe I'll preach it another time where Zeba, David goes off and Zeba actually lies on Meshivasheth because Zeba was like the elder brother. He was Saul's servant. He was serving faithfully. Now David, but he was just serving out of a place of performance. And when he saw that Meshivasheth got all this uh, uh, favor and even Zeba had to serve uh, Meshivasheth, he was not happy about that. And uh, and so, we're, you know, it's the I don't know if the Bible is clear, but I think it is uh, that he basically lied on Meshibosheth and David didn't know who was telling the truth and so he divided both of his inheritance between uh, Zeba and Meshibosheth so there's more to the story but I want to say to you today that I believe that God wants us to get a hold of kindness as we're growing as there's more diversity in our church as they're older and younger I've said this a lot but you know we need the wisdom of those who have gone before if you look at our pastoral team at the moment I'm not saying that nobody younger will be a pastor but what I'm saying at the moment it was it was God's a wisdom for me that all of our pastors and our leaders are older than me they're older than me 
Just a little bit. Because I got grades to prove it. But that was the wisdom of God because I need what they have. I need the wisdom. I need their experience. I need what they went through. I need their relationship with God. But then there's a wisdom for those that are older to listen to those that are younger because they have a discernment. They have a rawness. They're not filtered by situations in the world. They have a clear grasp on certain things. They see the winds of God. They are, I mean, they're prophets that are even raising up in this church. They get it. They got it. They're innovative. They're creative. They can see the, they can see the door when there is no door. They create doors where there are no doors. They're bold. They're courageous. We need the young. We need those who are, you know, me young and others young, like in their 20s and stuff. They're not really young. I'm really young. (laughs) Kindness. Somebody say kindness. Kindness is the connector. I believe it. Kindness is the, that's what's going to connect you to someone. Just be kind. Just, hey, all right, here's a good, kindness is an extension of mercy. Kindness is always extending itself. Kindness is an extension, extending of goodness. Kindness is the extending of a smile. And I want to challenge you to be deliberate, to be intentional when it comes to smiling at people. You don't know what people have went through through the day. And if you can tap into the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, give somebody a smile. Don't be so busy where you just pass people by. You don't say anything. Now, listen, I understand. Sometimes we're focused. Jesus was focused when he was going to the cross. I get it, but that can't always be your excuse. Hello? Because I will get up in your face and say hello. And people have got in my face and said, and you know what? I'm not offended by that. If you feel overlooked, maybe you need to deal with it in your own heart, but I don't, I don't have a problem with you coming up to me and saying, Pastor Malik, I feel like you don't see me. And I will tell you, I see you. I see you. Is this good? You guys receiving anything today? You guys receiving the kindness, the goodness of God? Father, I thank you today. Let us pursue justice and treat others with kindness. Let us pursue the right way of doing things. And let us pursue treating everyone with kindness, with goodness. And God, I believe in this season, is going to visit your home with the extension of his goodness, of his mercy, and of his compassion. Thank you for listening to the Relentless DC podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. For more information about Relentless DC, go to www.relentlessdc.com or facebook.com forward slash relentlessdc.